Well, welcome again to South Point. My name's Tanner. I'm on staff here. And I uh, want to say happy Mother's Day. Uh, there's one in every crowd, yes. <laughs> Teddy. <laughs> and uh, just realize that Mother's Day can be a great day, a great day to celebrate uh, mothers and sacrifices that they've made for us. And realize it can also be a complicated and complex day for some. And uh, if that is you, know that we are here for you and that uh, there's a great community of people that God loves you. And uh, I just wanted to say a prayer and, uh, and voice this uh, today on Mother's Day. So God, we, we love you and we thank you uh, for mothers, for the sacrifices, uh, for the love that we see uh, that is your love shining through them. Uh, God, I pray for those who, for whom today may be a difficult day for a wide variety of reasons. Um, we need your comfort, your peace. You promised to give that to us. And so, God, we pray for that right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so if you are brand new at South Point, uh, the reason we exist is we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. And we realize that this is seen very much in the person of Jesus. And that is why on our teaching series this year, what we're doing is we're actually going through a gospel of John, a biography of Jesus written by John himself, uh, one of the close followers of Jesus when he walked this earth. Uh, we, we actually started this year kind of in the middle of the book as we were leading up to Easter. And last week we finished the book. Uh, so we were going back to the beginning, back to like the first half of this book. And our very first series going through this first half of the book is a series called I've Got a Story for You. And this series, I've Got a Story for You, what we're doing is we are focusing in on stories from the Gospel of John where people met and encountered the person of Jesus, where they encountered God's unconditional love right there in front of them. And through this series, what we're doing is we're pairing the story from Scripture with a South Pointer who has also experienced and met Jesus personally and whose life has been changed by him. So today, what we're doing is we're actually looking at the person of John himself. While there's not a scripture like a few paragraphs that John writes autobiographically about himself, there are a few lines that he includes where he describes himself in a certain way, and he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So I'm going to read a few of these scriptures uh, for, right off the bat here. So one takes place from the Last Supper, John chapter 13, verse 23, one of them the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Another we see closer to the, to the crucifixion uh, towards the end of John. John chapter 19, verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And finally, we see, at the, resur we see uh, the, the resurrection. So she came running out to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they have put him. That John sees himself, his deepest identity, as the person, the disciple, whom Jesus loved. And we thought a person to tell the story, who I know views himself uh, in this way, is uh, Ernie Belasco. So Ernie, I'm going to ask you to come and share your story. He has been wanting to get out of this all week. But, uh, so let's, let's uh, make him feel welcome. Hey, Tan. 
<laughs> I was hoping he wouldn't come today. Teddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, brother. So two things. Um, one is there's going to be some pregnant pauses, and there'll probably be a guy up here babbling his eyes out. So if you're uncomfortable with either one of those, you better leave now. Uh, because this was pretty, uh, all of us have gone through this, it, it's pretty heart-wrenching. <sighs> Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Mala, especially to you, because you've got to be a saint with those three. <laughs> Plus Glenn. All right, hold on just one second, okay? I brought two handkerchiefs, one for the first service and one for the second. But I already ate through the first one with the songs from the first service, so. Okay, I love the Gospel of John. The other Gospel writers tell us what Jesus said and what he did. But John, he tells us who Jesus is and how he wants us to follow him. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. John refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. When I first became aware of this phrase, I initially thought that John was indeed Jesus' favorite. After all, as Jesus was crucified, He saw his mother and said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Now implied in that arrangement is that Jesus tasked John to take care of Mary. So it would make sense that John would be the one Jesus loved. But that's not what the gospel says. What the gospel says is, here is your mother. Maybe, just maybe, John wasn't taking care of Mary. Maybe Mary was taking care of John. Or simply they were taking care of each other. One explanation is offered in the series, The Chosen. A little advertising there. You've got to see this series. You've got to see it. You've got to download it on your uh, app, and then you can watch it on your phone or your TV. It's a, a current TV show about Jesus and how he chooses the disciples. During a scene in the second season, John is pictured with Mary sitting at a table, and this is after the resurrection of Jesus. John is writing in a tablet, and Mary is asking why John isn't mourning his brother James, who was just martyred. And James says, I was in Jesus' inner circle. I have a responsibility that I have to write his gospel. He loved me, John said. And Mary said, he loved all of you. You just feel the need to talk about it more often. That's me. I need to feel to talk about this more often, about what Jesus has done to me. Now, another Christian author writes an opinion that resonates with most of the other scholars. Perhaps the disciple John is never named, never individualized, 
so that we can more easily accept that he bears witness to an intimacy that is meant for each one of us. The closeness that he enjoys is a sign of the closeness that is mine and yours because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Hold on tight here, guys. <laughs> I always believed in the Trinity. I had 12 years of Catholic education, and we were studying canon law in my senior year. But something was missing. I believed in the existence of God, but it still didn't feel right or fulfilling. All those concepts of peace and mercy and love and grace, never really felt or experienced it. One of the reasons I could never experience any of his gifts is because I never felt worthy. In my family, you were loved, but you were loved a lot more if you got good grades, if you had some jobs, if you worked more hours. I always wanted love, more love, especially from Dad, but it always felt conditional. Did you shine my shoes? Did you wash your car? Let me see your grades. And if it was conditional, I could never attain it. The bar always seemed to be higher and higher, no matter how much I accomplished. And then I reached a point where I couldn't even take satisfaction in my own accomplishments. The satisfaction was always short-lived, no matter what I accomplished. What's next? What else do I have to do? What else do I have to prove? Who else do I have to like me? This feeling went on for decades. Always a believer but I never seemed to feel the peace that I heard so much about in Christianity. I was looking for a new church, and my sister told me, <laughs> about this new church that started the Showcase Cinema. She said I'd really enjoy it. At that time in my life, I couldn't comprehend what enjoyment meant. I hit it well. I could make people feel comfortable. I could even make people laugh couldn't laugh myself. I needed rescue in all forms. I was in nine kinds of pain. A workaholic. I was trying to start a new business. Dealing with the financial, dealing with a failing marriage. And from a financial view, let's just say I was heavily leveraged. That's a big phrase. It means money was coming in as fast as it was going out. Could not keep up. I was angry. I was resentful. I was vengeful, fearful, anxiety, coupled with bouts of depression. Just not a happy person. I was so ridden with anxiety from work at one time that I hadn't been able to eat anything solid for weeks. There was nothing or no one who could comfort me. I would go to bed at night and curl up in the fetal position so as if that could shelter me from the emotional pain I was in. And one night, I was curled up, trying to protect myself. And I saw this picture of me. I was in God's hands. He had me. I saw it. That's when I knew South Point was working on me. Hadn't fixed me by far. Hadn't fixed me, but he was working on me. 
Time out, okay? I told you. It's like I'm turning around so you know, Facebook people won't hear me, right? <laughs> That's for all of you. I'm not exactly sure why, but for the first six months, I couldn't get through a service without bawling my eyes out. The music, the message, the people. I joined the home group and began to hear a very consistent message. I could have a relationship with Jesus. I had no idea what that meant, but I was pushed to explore it. I say push because looking back on it, I knew it was the Holy Spirit working on me along with the love and guidance of my home group. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? He's in us. And we have to understand that God isn't going to knock down our door to get to us. That's not how it works. You're here because of a calling. This isn't by accident you're here today. Someone is knocking at your door. In Revelation 3.20, he says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, open the door. I will come in and eat with you and you with me. He's standing outside and he's knocking. How many of us can't open that door because of the fear, because we're afraid to let go? We need to meet him halfway. We need to let him know we want to follow him. Since we can all have our own relationship with Jesus, it's important to understand that our relationship with Jesus is unique. We find our own way of expressing our love of Jesus. We don't have to mimic anyone. The common denominator is that we all have to profess our love of Jesus, surrender our heart to him, obey him. One visible way of doing this is being baptized. I was attending South Point for about two years when one of the men asked me if I had been baptized by immersion. I said, I really didn't see a need for it. I love Jesus. Who do I have to prove that to? Why do I need to be baptized? He told me that baptism is telling Jesus in public that you love him and you're willing to follow him. You're committing your life to knowing him. He said to me, who knew me pretty well back then, he says, Think of all the crazy things you did in your life that you told me about. And you don't want to try baptism? You don't want to try Jesus? What, what are you afraid of? Well, I did it, and it was transformational. Now, there were no bells going off or angels singing on my shoulders or anything like that. It was subtle. I felt something inside of me stir, something that was telling me I want more. I actually felt a spiritual hunger for wanting to know more of Jesus. And I wanted to surrender my, my will to him, my will, because I wasn't getting it right. I wasn't making the decisions that was getting me in the right spots. I didn't want to walk alone anymore. I wanted Jesus to lead me. We think that when we're giving up our own decision-making, when we give up our will, we think that when we turn our souls over to Jesus, we're losing something. But it's just the opposite. We're giving him our worries, our problems, our fears. He can handle all of it if we trust in him. If we can let go of our will that has led us to so many wrong paths, and let's give it to him. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. That's in Psalm 23. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Just as a shepherd is leading his sheep 
so that they don't get injured or lose their way. A good shepherd will take care of his sheep. And don't forget, we are sheep. We are stupid. We are. How many times do you find ourselves in jackpots we don't belong in because we don't want to listen? Looking back at this time in my life when I really committed to working on my relationship with him, it reminded me of another scene from The Chosen. Jesus cured Mary Magdalene of her evil spirits, and later on, she was explaining her transformation to Nicodemus, who was a high priest. And this is what she said. Here is what I can tell you. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. Everything that happened in between was him. It was him. My relationship with Jesus is strengthened when I read scripture daily, when I have a daily conversation with him, that's what I call prayer, and when I find opportunities to serve. When my scripture partner and I don't connect on any given day, my day is not the same. It feels like I get up on the wrong side of the bed. I will admit it takes a lot of effort to keep my scripture partner on track. He he really is still a work in progress, if you know him. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Tanner is my uh, scripture partner, but... Reading and studying scripture was a chore at one time. Now my readings lead me to do more reading so I can understand more. And when I understand more, I find more peace. I get more peace when I read scripture. And I find how he wants us to live. Again, from John 13, 34, 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And another command he gives us in 1 John 3.18, Dear children, do not love with words or in speech, but with action and in truth. I I also like to offer some testimony to the work being done with the Hands Up ministry that the church sponsors. This is South Point's ministry to give single parents and and widowers a hand up I personally witnessed the Holy Spirit touch people's lives. I can tell you story upon story of how the Holy Spirit is working overtime at South Point with people's generosity. And when we speak of generosity, it's not just money. It's people giving meals to those in need, counseling and praying with others in difficult times, taking care of the South Point kids so parents can fully embrace the service. It's all giving. It's all generosity. It's all serving. When this work is combined with the work groups, the prayer groups, the home groups. It's all designed to bring us closer to Jesus. Think about my faith, but practice it. Sometimes we think too much and end up in rabbit holes that separate us from Jesus. Notice I said try. Because we accept Jesus doesn't mean all our problems are solved. Far from it. Sometimes we get more problems because Jesus wants us to be more dependent on him. He wants to show us he is the way, not our way. It's his way. Which brings us to May 23rd. 
as I said before, you're here for a reason. This isn't by accident. Jesus is knocking on your door. If you haven't been baptized, think about why. What's holding you back? Most likely, it's negative things. And when you work through those negative things, you're able to see the light and say, yeah, I want to I commit to Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. That's the invitation that we have in front of us today. Thank you so much.